Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host this evening, Jamie. And I'm Ashwin. Yeah, it's the dynamic duo tonight, covering all the transfer muppetry that we can find. Um, I think the guys would have liked me to be on this one anyway, because I'm the residential guy that's obsessed with transfers, obsessed with everything that's going on in the off-season, and quite happy to do so. Ashwin, are you a muppet before we go any further? Uh, I I partake in Muppetry. That'll do. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Fellow Muppet, everyone. Um, but yeah, here we are for the first time this summer since the end of the season. Um, got quite a few things to cover tonight. We're going to cover all the transfer drama that's ongoing, the signing amount, some of the stuff about players leaving, speculative stuff on players joining. We'll also have a look at the game that Manchester United are actually going to play tomorrow against Leeds in Norway, which should be the first chance to see Mount and a couple of players who've come back on loan. Uh, but first of all, what do you think since the end of the season, Ashwin? How are you feeling so far with how things are looking to next season? Are you feeling positive? Do you think we've done enough so far? How do you see things going in the next couple of weeks? Uh, I mean, I'm satisfied enough I think they are it seems like we're have identified the correct positions to add players at I think Mount's a goodbye I think Onana will get done shortly and I think that's a very goodbye um, and striker we'll see I do think Hoyland will get done um, and then there's been some links to other midfielders which I do think we need um, the biggest thing at this point now is just um, is just selling uh, I think they need yeah. to. I I mean, t- and to be fair, they haven't. We haven't even had a report of a bid rejected, so I don't think it's that they're not willing to sell. Uh, you just have to wait for buyers at a certain point. So, I think we'll probably get some sales in the next couple of weeks with players, you know, in the league and around Europe, kind of coming back to clubs and probably having conversations with the manager and and the board about their futures. So I think we'll get some movement uh, in terms of sales in the next couple of weeks also. Yeah, I'm fairly much right about that point as well. I mean, from a sensible point of view, I think Mount is a very good signing as well. I think Lanana's okay, we're recording on a Tuesday evening. 
it doesn't seem that far off and I do think that will be the next signing and then after that I can see all the attention being put on the Hoyland and then that's three areas that I think we all would have agreed coming off of last season that we really needed to concentrate on so I think that will be a good start to the summer. Yeah, the, the lack of movement on players going out is a bit of a concern for me because we do know that we are hampered with what we can spend at the moment. Uh, a lot of it, not so much for Onana and Hoyland especially, but for any other deals I think that we would like to do, some players that we would like to have a look at, I think will be totally dependent upon certain players going, but you you do have the problem with players also wanting to move, so there is absolutely the problem of clubs coming in and trying to buy players, but there's also that problem if the player's in such a good salary and they feel like they're not going to reduce their salary demands to go elsewhere, they're perfectly happy to stay where they are. And as much as we might not like that, that they're perfectly entitled to do that. So yeah, it's making that a bit difficult. But I do kind of hope to see over the next fortnight some kind of movement on some players leaving because I think last season also proved that when, when push comes to shove and we look to the depth of the squad, it's not to the requisite level, especially when you compare to Man City, especially when you compare even to Liverpool, I feel now, with some of the moves they're making, and not just domestically, if you look across Europe, I just don't think we've got the strength and depth. So, yeah, fingers crossed that we see some kind of movement from there. Right, I think we actually might be better just starting with the signing of Mason Mount, since that one is signed, sealed and delivered, and we can go from there. So, what did you think when we were first linked to him? Did you think that was going to be a strong option for us to take? And has your opinion changed since it's went through? Or did you have a specific opinion all the way through the transfer? Uh, uh, for, for Mount? Yes, for Mount, yeah. For Mason Mount. Uh, I mean, I was pretty consistent. I thought, I, I like Mount. I think he's a good player. I've always thought he's a good player. Um I think he was, not even I think, I mean, he was. He was Chelsea's most productive attacking player over the last three seasons. And I think it says something that Tuchel liked him a lot at Chelsea. He tried, he wanted to bring him to Bayern. Arteta was interested. They were linked to him. Klopp, Liverpool, they were linked with him. Um, This is a player, you know, I think there's a lot of dismissal of him based on last season which I think is wrong. Um, to me, it's the same deal as what happened with Rashford in 2021-22, where the entire club, the entire team is bad. It's, it's a bad year, disaster year, you could say. I mean, their season was far worse than even our season was under um, you know Ole and, and Rangnick, but their season was terrible. You know, uh, Tuchel gets sacked, then they bring in Potter. Potter is god-awful, and they bring in... Lampard to close the year, who is Lampard. Um, it was just a bad season all around. I think he was obviously part of it. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve some responsibility for it, but when an entire squad struggles and then you look at the turnover in their squad, how many players were brought in, there's a lot of instability at the club. Um, I can understand uh, why his productivity, along with many others in that in that squad, uh, were, were dipped. But um, if you look at the seasons prior to that, uh, he's a he's a little productive midfielder, you know. I mean, I know he hasn't played as an eight uh, at Chelsea. You know, he plays kind of a utility player, right? He just 
yeah. play outside, play in the middle, play wherever, um, which speaks to, I think, why Ten Hag wanted him is he's a player who can perform a lot of tactical um, tasks and a variety of them. He will he'll follow the game plan, so to speak, and uh, he's very good at pressing. I think he is more secure in possession, more consistently secure in possession um, than somebody like Fred, and he's obviously much more mobile than Erickson. And so I think it's a good buy. Um, I know he's not everybody's favorite player, but again, I think he was a very productive player, and I think he's a very good player for Chelsea. I thought a couple of years ago, it might have been, what was it, 2020, 2021, when he had, uh, or maybe it was last season, when he had 10 goals and 11 assists. I actually thought he should have made the Premier League team of the year. That's what I thought. Um, I understand, obviously, there's so much competition every year. So it's not like a crime he didn't make it. But I thought he deserved it. Um, so he's a player I've rated, I think is good. And, you know, did we pay too much? Did we pay? Maybe, sure. Um, but at the end of the day, I think this is a player who was checked by the recruitment department from everything we heard. And was also a player that Ten Hag himself very much wanted. So I think it's important to get him. I thought I think it was important to get him. Um and we did beat out teams to his signature that, you know, um are considered smart in the transfer market or are our competitors. You know, again, Arsenal, Liverpool, Bayern Munich, um, Chelsea themselves wanted to keep him. Um you know, I think Pochettino wanted to keep him. So this is, a, again, this is a, a good player, a player that was wanted by uh, teams that we are going to be competing against. And I think that says a lot about how he, how good he is. Um, so now, you know, we'll see what Ten Hag can get out of him. But what I would say is, you know, obviously the Anthony transfer, that is an, a massive overpay. But what I will say is every player that we have bought under Ten Hag fits into I think a very clear idea of how we want to play and I think all of them have helped us progress so far at least I mean it's only one year but obviously Casemiro I thought Malasia is he great no but much better backup for Shaw than anything we've had previously you know Tellez was ugh, an awful disaster. Player, but, yeah. yeah absolute disaster um and then obviously you know, Lissandro Martinez, amazing, incredible buy. Uh, and then, you know, like people, I think there's been some criticism of, oh, why did we bring in Veghorst? Why did we bring in Sabitzer? It's like, come on. These are just loans that you got in to kind of make up the numbers as an emergency in the middle of the season. And um, they did enough to, to get us over the line as far as, you know, qualifying for Champions League again. But, you know, Erickson also, obviously, you know, he's not what he was at Spurs. But still, I think you see what he brings to the table that Ten Hag is trying to instill in the side in terms of his, you know, calmness under in possession, his ability to retain possession, all those type of things. And I think Mount is another player that fits into that. He's a tidy player. Again, he's very good at pressing, which is obviously something that Ten Hag wants. Um, so I am a fan of this buy. I think it's a good one, and I think it fits into a more... You know, whatever you want to say about the actual value of who we've bought, at least now there seems to be a, a plan, and and the players that we bring in seem to fit that plan. So, um, 
you know, it actually feels like we're building an identity or building towards an identity. No, I, I really agree with that because the two things I would say on the on the transfer, first of all, is yeah, you look at the difference last season where you get rid of Pogba, you go and move on from Fred or McTominay being your starting centre midfielders and you look at Casemiro coming in, that presence, that strength in the midfield and he's got so many different aspects to his game that, that, that we've not had for a long time. Eriksson's the other one, absolutely somebody who's comfortable in the ball, can break the lines with his passing, can keep the ball and Mount just seems as though that's the natural progression of that. So Eriksson now no longer has to go from playing 40, 50 games last season just because just he had to, because we literally had no one else. Mount will take that on. Eriksson's now the player we look to for the depth, which is excellent. So if there's games where we need to be trying to control the possession, we can bring him on fresh. He's not having to play in the full game. If we then want to manage his minutes more, that's something we now can do with this transfer. Even the fee itself, I mean, it is high, but I just think it's one of those things, you know, he's an English player, he plays consistently for England, he played consistently for Chelsea, he's one of their academy products, they don't want him to go, and... I mean, the it, whole it, market is crazy. The whole, so. the whole market's insane, absolutely, and, and being in the last year of your contract used to mean you could look to move for not a, not that much money because clubs would rather sell you, even if it was for a fee in the region of 20 to 30 million, they would sell you because they know, okay, the player's made it clear, he's not signing a new deal, we're going to lose him for free next year. In six months, he can sign with whoever he wants and, that, and that's it, the door's shut. That's no longer a thing with... If you see, we can even see it like with Harry Kane. Harry Kane's going out of contract next summer. Can can join whoever he wants. Can go to Real Madrid, us, Bayern Munich. But Spurs are still demanding ninety million, a hundred million, a hundred and ten million for a phenomenal player, but a player in the last year of his deal. And I, it it just seems silly to me. But again, I. I I see people on the forum getting kind of hung up on on, on the amount. I, I'm not that fussed about it myself, to be honest. I'm just I've, I've just accepted it's just one of those things that you're going to have to do now, especially as I said for a young English player. Like, I okay, he's not an absolute world beater, but he's a very very good, solid, tidy player. And unfortunately, that's just the going rate. What do you make of him getting the number seven jersey? Um, I, I look. We we've been over this. Uh, yeah. when we did this with the game, I don't care about numbers. I'm terrible with numbers. Uh, with play, specifically player numbers, I understand the significance of the seven shirt for United. Um, I will say I think there's something to be said of. It's typically gone to flair players, right? It's fair to say yeah, that. Um, absolutely. Obviously, Mount is not a flair player, but I think when we think about, you know, where have things gone wrong for Manchester United uh, over the last decade since Ferguson left, I think there's something to the idea of, you know, valuing players who put in 
the hard work and do the you know the 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 unsung important pieces of what help teams really win right city obviously they have fantastic players and you know amazing talent but the reason why they're so dominant is they work as a collective unit um nobody gets away with not doing their kind of their bit defensively in particular in their press and everything like that and i think maybe there's something to be said of giving the shirt to a player like mount who sure he's probably he'll score some goals and get some assists but i think what will be appreciated about him and i i think this is what at least i saw from chelsea fans that appreciated him is you know just the willingness and the desire to do the hard work pressing all that type of stuff the stuff that made him you know, basically first name on the team sheet for Tuchel, right? We know Tuchel values those things, and he brought that to the table, and I think that's something that Ten Hag wants to continue to instill uh, in this United side, and I think he started that last season, mounted as another step in that progression. So, um, you know, I understand people that are not happy about it, but personally, I don't really give a shit, Um, and (laughs) I think it's not that big of a deal, and I actually kind of like giving it to Mount. See, see, part of the reason I quite like it is because supposedly, again, I was, I, I was listening to some of the United journalists talking about the move itself and, and, and what made him pick United. And Ten Hag was a big part of that. But apparently Ten Hag made a point of saying to Mount, driving home how important he's going to be for the club and, and, and for the vision that he's got for the team. And then he's offered the number seven jersey to Mount. He hasn't said, I'm giving you it. He's offered it to Mount. And Mount's took it on himself, saying he understands the importance of the jersey. He understands that, yeah, it's a hugely significant number in the sense that you look at guys like Cantona and Beckham and uh, Ronaldo, and you're even going back, okay, they were bests a bit different because he wore different numbers, and, and that was just one of the numbers he wore. But even guys like Brian Robson, but he, but he doesn't seem put off by the potential weight of the jersey, if you like. And I kind of like that he's got that about him, that he said, no, no, I'll take that on you. I'll have that number. And as you said, I think it's, we've had enough kind of near misses when we look at the likes of Memphis Depay, Alexis Sanchez, Antonio Valencia, Michael Owen, that have all had the number seven jersey, and it, it's just not worked. So, yeah, I'm all for seeing a player want to actually take it on himself and kind of go on and prove himself as well because I, because I kind of get the feeling it's going to be difficult for him if if he doesn't hit the ground running straight away. I think it's a potential move that not so much from Man United fans but definitely from rival fans especially Chelsea fans. I can see them jumping on him straight away if he doesn't hit the ground running. So to kind of take on that added responsibility I think is pretty good of him and yeah, I'm excited to see how he goes from there. Um, I think we will stop there and take a quick break and when we come back we will look at the goalkeeping situation. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to United Hour. Uh, yeah, so since the end of the season, we've had a rather peculiar situation with David De Gea where we ended the season there was well we were told there was no new deal agreed at that point and De Gea was currently negotiating his new contract with United Uh, and it's then since emerged that his contract's ran out he's now left as a free agent and in something you don't see very often these days he has supposedly signed a contract sent it back and before the club then signed off on the contract themselves. The offer was withdrawn, a new one was presented, and De Gea clearly feels that wasn't the right deal for him. And the club has then not been able to agree a new deal with him, and that is him left, and after 12 years, 13 years at Man United. I understand why we're moving on. I think it's absolutely the right move to move on to a more progressive goalie, because we want to change the style of play. It just doesn't sit right with me that he that we didn't do something about it a month ago, two months ago, so that we knew that last home game of the season that was going to be the Hayes final game and he had the proper way to say goodbye. I don't I don't like doing it for all players, but I do like doing it for players that have gave a, a, a pretty significant contribution to the club, so I just think it's a shame he's not being given the proper send-off. What are your thoughts on it, Ashwin? Can't wait to hear this. I don't care. I really don't care. Um, this idea that I should be super... Look, did the club handle it exactly great? No, they didn't. They absolutely did not. And I would say, or I would, I suspect that um, part of it is uh, a shifting in... Like, if you look at kind of the links to what we were looking to do in the transfer window before the window opened and, you know, the months leading into it, goalkeeper didn't really come up. And yeah. then De Gea has, I mean, honestly, as bad of an end of the season as you could possibly have. The amount of mistakes, and not just mistakes, this isn't like, you know, oh, he just came out, he, he came out for a cross and missed it. Like, this is unforgivable stuff, you know. That, yeah, it's panicking, isn't it? So yeah. many of them were, were, were like, legit panicking. And, and, and then you watch the, I mean, the FA Cup final was the final straw. I mean, he... he you can argue he cost us a trophy. Like, he was that yeah. bad, I thought. And, that, and, like, I know that it's not just him, um, but he just doesn't do anything that you want for a modern keeper. And we know that Ten Hag wants to play a style that requires a keeper be more aggressive off his line, be comfortable in possession. Um, and De Gea doesn't do any of those things. And he's also not a good shot stopper anymore. Like, he's just not a good shot stopper anymore. The The numbers bear this out over multiple seasons now that he's not been a good shot stopper. And quite frankly, he's been a, a below par, below average, among the worst keepers in the league since 2019 or so. He's been a bad keeper. That's just a fact. Um, 
you know, I, you know, do you want to, has he been a good servant to the club and all that type of stuff? If you want to say that, sure. Uh, he, he didn't exactly work for free last I checked. Um, he, he was, he was very handsomely paid and, and let's be true about this too. I have no problem with players using their own leverage to get the best deals they can for themselves, because that's the business element of the game. And they don't play, they don't, their careers are not 30, 40, 50 years, right? They are going to play 15 years, 20 years. Even if you have a 20 year career, that's, oh my God, what a long career you've had. So they have to cash in while they have the opportunity. So I will never begrudge a player using his leverage to get the most money he can out of a situation. But that's exactly what De Gea did in 2018, right? He ran down his contract, ran down his contract. Um, he took advantage of the fact that the club was kind of in an unstable position. You know, the, Ole comes in, they have this wonderful little run, and, you know, I think he signed a, a contract at that point. Um, but he, he used instability at the club to to profit for himself. I Again, I have no problem with that. But, like, now the shoe's on the other foot, right? And... Let's also not forget, he wanted to leave United in 2014. The only reason he didn't leave is because of a fax machine. Um, like, that's it. That's the only reason he was still here, that he didn't go to Real Madrid. So, you know, I appreciate his service, and I do believe that, like, as time goes on, it'll be a lot easier, and, and it'll be nice to appreciate, you know, the no- numerous good to great seasons he had. I mean, 2017-18 might have been, at least in terms of shot-stopping, the best season I've ever seen from a keeper. Um, but you know, in this situation, did he, he sign a contract? Did he not sign a contract? I think it's worth noting that the club has come out and said multiple times that they, yeah, that's, that, that is an interesting sign. point. That, yeah. Be- yeah. That, because there was no contract that was signed. Um, and so for whatever that's worth, the fact that they have come out and denied that, I mean, if that wasn't true, I think they would be putting themselves in a very, very, Difficult position. Difficult yeah. position. So I tend to believe that there's something going on there where, um, you know, maybe they agreed on terms, but I also think De Gea might have wanted to see if there were any other offers coming in. Um, when he, he was a free agent, right? I'm sure that he knew that the Saudi money uh, was there. We've seen a lot of players cash in on that. I think he wanted to keep that option open, and he wanted to, you know... Um, play it out a little bit so again i don't have a problem with that but what happened is he had a terrible end of the season and i think quite frankly i think ten hog i think the board was still fine with giving him the contract they agreed upon and i think ten hog basically was like absolutely not like i cannot go more like i cannot go past this season with this keeper if we want to progress and to me that was the right call I've been saying this since last year. I said it all this year that I thought getting a new goalkeeper was more important than, you know, than center back, than basically anything other than striker. And even, I think you can honestly make an argument that it is just as important, if not more important than striker well, in terms of really... Well, to, to your point, because yeah. I, I agree with that, because if it was put to me and you said, right, you've got 50 million to spend, would you rather spend 50 million on a striker mm. that's going to... And in Vericomas, transfer your team. Or would you rather 50 million on a goalie who will transform your team and the way you play? And the answer is you'd rather spend it on the goalie with the way we play. Because 
what what probably not fooled me. What 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 probably made me think we were doing okay this season with the hair still in goal probably was the fact that Martinez is such a good player. So the hair's distribution was basically non-existent for three or four months of the season, where his out ball every single time was to Martinez or Shaw. And the two of them play between each other, and then Martinez advances up the pitch and breaks the line with passing. And as soon as he got injured in that first leg against Sevilla, it just felt like every game after that, we just couldn't control the ball. And the vast majority of the reason was down to De Gea. It was because goal kicks were sailing straight up the other end of the pitch, either to the other team's defence, straight in the touch, straight to the other goalie. If the ball was passed back to the hair and somebody just ran him, whether it was in that Sevilla game that we've seen, whether it was in the Man City game that we've seen, there's numerous times it happened towards the end of the season. It just gives the ball away. And sometimes it wasn't even under pressure. Sometimes it was just pass it back to the goalie and it's just a long punt up the pitch to, to no one. And that's it, you've lost the ball. Because I remember happening genuinely nine or ten times in the FA Cup final. And... That probably that game, the Sevilla second leg, and a couple other points towards the end of the season of all kind of that altered my thinking as well to the point that yeah, we need a new goalie because that will fundamentally change how we play. And Ten Hag can then trust his back unit from goalie defenders to be comfortable on the ball to play amongst themselves to break the line, to have a high line and not have to worry about what's going on behind like the defenders won't have to worry about what's going on behind them. And as I said, it's not even the fact that he left or the, or the contract thing that, that's weird for me. It's probably me just being a bit naive and a bit mushy about I really liked him. I, I thought he was excellent. There was there was that dodgy year in 2014, yeah, where a fax machine stopped him going to Real Madrid. Um, but I just think yeah, as you said, some of the seasons he's gave us, in terms of shot stopping, definitely are some of the best I've ever seen from a goalie. Um, he was the last guy harking back to the last title winning team. That shouldn't mean anything and probably doesn't mean anything, but it still kind of was something I thought of. So I just I just think it's a bit of a shame. He's not he's not got a proper send off. But again, I I do agree that we needed to move on. I do agree it's the right move to have him move on. And that brings us nicely on to who we think and imagine we're going to get in Andre Onana, who I think in that Champions League game, I've seen him play multiple times, but if I'd only seen him play that game against Man City, even though they lost, that alone convinced me he's the guy we need to sign. I don't know, it's just, I've seen some of the suicidal moments from him where he runs out the box and takes yeah, men on and nutmegs him and stuff like that, but shit, I, I, love, I loved watching him in I, that game. I think people just don't, and this is me included, I'm not saying like I'm above everybody or something, but um, I don't even think we understand how far behind we are in terms mm. of like, like, we have had... If you look... When did City buy Ederson? What was that 2017? 2017. And then at the first... And then you're right, because I know the exact thing you're going to say. Liverpool done the same thing. Yeah. They went and bought Allison, who's arguably the best goalie in the league. And, because and it even, changes the yeah. way they play. And even uh, Arteta... Look, I don't think Ramsdale is... He's not, obviously, he's not on the level of those two. He, But he is 
fairly good with the ball at his feet. I think that was one of his first buys, right, Ramsdale? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so like these managers are telling you that, you know, and I, I look, I know there will people be like, well, Chelsea won the Champions League with Mendy, and Real Madrid won the Champions League with, you know, um, what's his name? Courtois. I can't even think of it. Yeah, Courtois. Okay, but those are kind of the exceptions. I, I think for the most part you see, I mean, even Bayern, right? They've had Neuer now for how long, right? He was like the first one of these kind to, yeah. to really be aggressive off his line and, and you know, remember? I mean, I remember when he first started. He used to be criticized because people were like, "He wants to show off, right?" Like, "Oh, he's showing off, like all this stuff." And and you kind of think about it. He was just the first one. He was the first one. And then obviously Barcelona, they had um, this will have Ter Stegen, who's very good with the ball at his feet. Yeah. So like these, all of the best clubs in Europe, the top clubs in Europe, have keepers, or at least a lot of them, majority of them have keepers that can do something with the ball. I mean, even if you look at non, you know, so quote unquote, the non elite clubs, right? Look at Brighton, look at Brentford, look at, look at these clubs. Like they want keepers that can do something with the ball at their feet that are more aggressive off their line, at least something, you know, I mean, if you're not going to be great with the ball at your feet, at least control, you know, control the box, right? That's something Courtois, Courtois is very good at that. He's a big, big dude and he uses his frame. Um, and when cha- uh, Chelsea won the Champions League, Mendy was very good about that too. So, um, you know, is Onana going to control, you know, is he going to be some physical presence in the box? No, I don't think so at all. But I do think that what he gives us is something that just changes a lot. And his willingness to, you know, you want to play a high line, you need a keeper like Onana that's willing to, quite honestly, make a fool of himself at times. Yeah, You absolutely. need to have that. So. I'm very, very excited about this. And honestly, I think this is going to be, this has the potential to be, I guess I should say, because we know that, you know, United has had many false dawns uh, over the last decade. <laughs> but I, I think this has the chance to be a very transformative um, addition. I think he is that important potentially to to not just, you know, next year's team, but kind of what Ten Hag is building towards. No, I totally agree with you because... It's gonna sound it's gonna sound so stupid this, but like when you think about like when we were watching Martinez at the start of last season, and we were awed by a, a defender being able to be comfortable on the ball and break the lines and run twenty yards of the ball and not lose it and eventually get to the point of the season where you weren't even worried about him taking the ball. You just knew he's fine with he's fine in possession. And I and I remember thinking, think this is stupid because the top teams in Europe have had this for years, for literally years, and we've not had it. So the first time that we've had it, we're all sitting there amazed about a defender that's comfortable with the ball at his feet. It's going to be the same with this guy. As soon as it comes in and there's a there's a goalie that is wanting to take on the ball, is willing for the defence to play the high line so he can take chances ping balls out from the edge of the box, out to Luke Shaw, who's going to be able to stand 10 yards further up the pitch. He's not going to have to stand as close to the hair as he normally would out of fear of losing the ball. He's going to be able to advance much further. Martinez isn't going to have as much responsibility. He's going to have more time and he's going to have more space. Varane's not going to have to worry about constantly being five yards deeper than he should. And I just think the difference will even make for the midfield where they know finally there's going to be a goalie who can find them, not with a lump up the pitch, but with a pass. Somebody that can actually split the lines and there's an option to go deep to him or him go longer up the pitch. And I, 
we all said we need a striker, which we absolutely do. No, not denying that at all. But changing goalkeeper and getting him in, I agree. Would I think the difference to the team will be massive next season, and I don't think we'll even be fully appre- We won't be fully able to appreciate how much until at least the middle of next season. Once we've been able to watch it for three or four months, because I I think it's going to be that big, and yeah, hopefully it gets wrapped up soon. Because just before we started recording, I did see that there was kind of more tweets coming out from sources in Italy saying the deal's really close. There there, there is just I think a gap in valuation of seven million euros, something like that, and it's not even the amount. From what I can gather, it's more the breakdown of it, how much is going to be paid up front, how much is going to be paid over the next number of years. and Similar to the Mount deal, actually, I think. I think it will get done and it will just come down to those add-ons and what we, and how we're going to structure paying that out. So, fingers crossed that gets done soon because we would actually like to see him go on the tour of America. Um and get some good time with the teammates, so we'll see how that goes. The other option we have is this young goalie called Zion Suzuki, and he is a young goalie from Japan, but he does have options open for the chance to move to, I think it's to also pick the US national team as well. I suppose you'll keep an eye on that, Ashwin, and let us know. Um, but yeah, he's only going to cost £5 million. he is only 20 years old, so he will just be the backup goalie. Um, but the the links do seem to be getting a bit stronger um, over the last week or so in this particular transfer, so I suppose that one will be interesting to keep an eye on because, yeah, Ashwin, that'll have had two new goalies and Tom Heaton's probably going to be, what, third-choice goalie, do you think? Um, yeah, I think Heaton... I, I think there was some interest from Everton on Heaton, so that's yeah. to keep an eye on. See, um, they, they yeah. seem to be our club that if we need to sell a player we just sell them to Everton because the one that I've just seen uh, earlier on as well is Alanga now is wanted by Everton and Everton are going to start opening discussions with us to sign him so it's just funny you said Everton because I was like yeah they, they just seem to be the club that just takes our cast offs yeah um, it would be good to sell players uh, Alanga would be yeah. great because it just goes in his actual profit, right? Because he's uh, he's like an academy player. Yeah, he's an academy player. Yeah, and the other part of that as well is if we can get Onana done, if we can get the young guy done, Zion Suzuki, and that's us get two new goalies, we'll then let Henderson go to Nottingham Forest and we're gonna, we'll probably get 25, 30 million there. And also that's pure profit because that's another academy player. And yeah, it just would be good to see some of this action finally happen and help fill the coffers and help us out with replenishing the squad and moving forward from there. Right, we will take another quick break and when we come back, we will look at the forward options. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, Troops. So, yeah, we've discussed the goalie situation. We've discussed Mount. We've discussed... The fact that we definitely need some departures to start happening. But the last place, and the most important place really, apart from goalkeeper, that we do need something to happen is up front. So, Hoyland is definitely attracting interest. That definitely looks like it's going to be the guy that we're going to go for once we get this banana deal sealed. And I'm excited by him, but I can't help but just constantly look at the cane situation and think it's not possible, it won't happen, I know, but this is where the transfer Muppet in me just kicks in and is like if we could sign him that genuinely, along with the goalkeeper and along with signing Mount and maybe another midfielder would propel us maybe into title challenges in my opinion I, I think it would be that big a deal, but with Kane, I just I just don't see it happening. Not with Daniel Levy just sitting on the fact that he's not wanting to sell domestically. So it's not just us. I genuinely think if any other team went for him, I think Levy would have the exact same attitude. I think he'd much rather sell him abroad, but he's not going to let him go for any cheaper than 80-odd million by the looks of it. So, yeah, the young lad from Atalanta. I mean, I'm excited by him. He scored a hat-trick, I think it was, on his debut for Denmark. He looks a very exciting young prospect. From the videos I've seen him on YouTube, that he's not anywhere near this level, but he reminds me a bit of Van Persie with his movement. And he's just so strong as well. He's maybe not the top. He's six foot odd, but he's so strong at holding guys off. So, I've seen a few goals where... The ball's played through to him, so he's not even having to take a touch, really, on the run. It's more about holding off the last defender, holding off the fullback, and it's one touch, bang, goal. And, again, I can't help but feel if we could if we could just sign somebody up front who's going to consistently chip in with 20-25 goals, it's going to make such a difference to the team, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with a guy like Hoyland is... One, you have to. They have to be very careful with what they actually pay for him, assuming they get it across the line, because you don't want to pay. You don't want to do an Anthony, right? You don't want to put a yeah. fee on him, and then all of a sudden he's being. I mean, this happened with Nunez last year for Liverpool, right? Where you but you pay kind of not not a. I mean, yeah, a crazy fee to some extent for more of like a, a player that you already know is. You know he's going to need some time to develop, and he's probably not at the best of his, the peak of his uh, game yet. And you know when you put a certain fee on a player, they don't. There's a lot of pressure on them to deliver immediately. So I think with a guy like Hoyland, if you can get him for you know maybe forty, forty-five million pound, at least he comes in and there's an idea, understanding of okay, he is not being bought to lead us 
you know, lead us to a, a league title challenge this season, right? He's being bought because, one, <laughs> we <laughs> need options, uh, and two, for the fact that while he'll chip in now, he can develop into something even greater down the line. I think he's only 20, right? So you'd be yeah, buying him really for what he can be, you know, when he's 22, 23. The price just needs to reflect that because you are taking a risk. This is not the finished product. This is a player that needs to develop and needs to keep progressing in his career and, and hone his talents and skills. That's a risk. So it needs to be priced as such. And if it is, I'm fine with it. Uh, what I really don't want to happen, though, is, you know, again, what happened with Anthony for us last year where you're, you're paying kind of uh, the price for somebody who needs to be delivering and hit the ground running. And, um, you know, we'll see. I think Hoyland, you're right, he does look promising from what I've seen of him. I'd be lying if I said, you know, I was watching, you know, 20 Atalanta matches last year and had a really <laughs> great understanding of him. But there is, like, you know, the movement is good. Obviously, because he's a big, you know, he's big and he's a lefty, he's going to get Holland comparisons, which are ridiculous, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his touch from what I've seen looks good. I think Ten Hag has, he wants a big striker. I don't think he wants to just have some, like, I know that he, Martial was kind of his choice, but that was the best of what we really well, had yeah. at our disposal, yeah. right? Um, I think he wants a bigger striker. He obviously had a lot of success with Holler, uh, with Ajax. So, you know, not just some lump, right? Not just some target man that you're just going to hope and hit to, but um, somebody who can hold the ball up, has the technical ability to to bring others into play. Uh, but he does want a bigger striker, and I think he does want somebody who can be a bit of a presence in the box. And the other thing I've noticed with Hoyland, at least from what I've seen, is that he is mobile, he is active. I think getting in young players especially young attackers is maybe, I mean, it, it can be a very good thing because you can instill that defensive and pressing commitment at an early age. Um, whereas if you get an older player, I mean, look, Kerry Kane obviously is amazing and if they could get him great, but uh, you know, if you get Harry Kane also understand he's not going to be running around pressing absolutely goalies and center half. So I, I think there is something to the idea of if you want to, you know, if you can't get Kane, get a younger striker who you can develop and um, has the physical capabilities to do what you want him to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just... Uh, I had two options in my head that from the Premier League, I mean, again, this is like Mopetry kicking in where this just wouldn't happen because... Certain things are in play which would restrict it. But there's two players I, I genuinely think in the league that if we signed for up front, even these two would make a massive difference to the way we play. And that is Ivan Tony, And again, not possible because of certain things that are going on, certain legalities and the fact he's not going to be able to play until next January or whatever it is. But he was a guy I thought, I would love to see him play for us. Big, strong, fast, scores every type of goal. Doesn't have to have somebody up with him up top. He can hold it up himself. Plays great when there's pace, when he's got real pace around him. He's one that I just thought he he would be so good for us, I genuinely think. But again, outside, 
influences and issues are not going to make that possible. And the other player is Ollie Watkins. I was really, really impressed with Ollie Watkins last season. And I thought he looked good two seasons ago. I thought he was a decent player. I just didn't think he scored very many goals. But now that a proper manager, as in Unai Emery's got a hold of him, not a wannabe manager in Gerrard, but an actual manager has got a hold of him, told him to play within the width of the box and be on the front foot. He looks electric for that Villa team. But again, Villa are on the up. They've played really, really well last season and I think they'll go, they'll be even better this year. I'm not, I don't think they'll make top four or anything like that. But I do think they'll, they'll be very, very good next year. And I just think it would be impossible to get him now. But that's kind of the profile that I was thinking. One of, a player like that up front for us would make a huge difference. Somebody that can score any type of goal. And that, that's the thing. You don't want to put too much pressure on this young lad, Hoyland. But I'm impressed from what I've seen. But it's, there is a real lack of strikers available on the market for, for funds that are not absolutely obscene and silly. I mean, I seen we were linked with, uh, uh, is it Colo Muani? His name's pronounced, yeah, the one yep. that plays for Frankfurt. And again, looks looks really good, looks a prospect, but then as soon as anybody's interested, the price is 70 million, 75 million. And it's like, that's, that's insane. That's absolutely insane for, for a young lad. And... I think that's a problem we're going to be faced with. Like, as soon as we go looking and we're not looking for guys on the cheap, as soon as we're looking for, right, we need a real quality striker, doesn't matter if they're a bit younger, we'll take that chance. Suddenly the suddenly the, the fee just becomes absolutely ludicrous. And I think it's going to make it really difficult for us. If we don't get Hoyland and we have to look elsewhere, I think it could be quite difficult to sign a striker, I really do, because I just don't see that many guys available for that fee that would be what we would deem worthwhile, that wouldn't be totally out of the bounds of real life, if you like. But I digress, we'll see what happens with Hoyland, because it does look like we're mega interested, and I've seen as well that we're proposing certain swap deals, we're proposing certain things being attached to the deal where we maybe do pay 40, 45 million and a player goes on loan. I've seen Ahmad being linked with that, but... Yeah, I uh, I, the Colo Moani one, I don't know. I, that one seems kind of... I don't know. It, it seems Hoyland is the choice. That's what it looks like yeah. to me. Um, and I would be surprised if they don't get him because we do need a striker. There's been that the links with Amrabat too. I, I can't say. I, yes. I watched him in the World Cup, obviously. Um, I don't know what to think of that. At the price, I think it's been rumored at 30 million euro. You would say that, you know, that's a re- very reasonable price for a player Ten Hag has worked with before. Obviously, if he feels comfortable sanctioning that, then um, you would hope to recoup the funds elsewhere. I think Fred is probably yeah. on his way out. Um, I would love to sell McTominay because I just, to <laughs> me, he's just not a United player at all. And, yeah, I mean, if you get Amrabat, I, I would suspect that you kind of would be in a better position to maybe sell both Fred and McTominay. But I suspect McTominay stays. Fred goes, um, and they'll sell McTominay maybe next summer. But, um, you know, I I think I will say this. 
I'll, I'll, maybe we could close with this. Uh, I think we've actually been. I'm not going to say value is, you know, that's its own thing. But I actually, and I, I think we talked about this even maybe during the season, but like I actually thought last summer and going into the season, you know, say what you will about the actual process and how much we paid for players, but all the buys have been for positions that we needed to address. It doesn't feel like we are throwing money around to... For the sake of it. Yeah, well, it's it's you know when we got Alexis right, it was like well, yeah. he's a, he played the same position that Marshall and Rashford were playing in, and I think people forget, but at least at that time, they were both having good seasons. Like we didn't really need a left wing player, right? Uh, he came in, I think he un- destabilized the entire side. But it's the idea of going after a name instead of what does this squad need, what positions do we need to fill, and you know. Mason Mount is not the sexiest name in the world, but he fills a need. Uh, you know, Onana is not the sexiest name in the world, but he fills a need. And I think Hoyland, to some extent, uh, you know, it's always exciting when you buy a young striker, right? But yeah, but but to some extent, he's not like some huge mega name, right? He's not somebody who's been paraded around Europe to the biggest clubs for a long time or something. So, in some ways, it just feels like a a more prudent approach. And that's not to say everything about it is perfect. You know, obviously you would like to get deals done sooner. You would like to see them be able to maybe win the margins and negotiations more. But I do think they are paying for the sins of what is, you know, eight, nine, 10 years of mismanagement. Um, And, you know, I think there was an article today in the uh, Manchester Evening News about how 75 million is going to come off, has come off the wage bill in the last two years. Um, and that's just from letting contracts expire, which, and it's like, you know, Phil Jones, Pogba, Matic, Mata, but these are players who you couldn't sell and you just had to let their, exp- but it, it kind of speaks to how bloated the wage bill had become. Yeah. The mismanagement of it. And I think that's part of the reason why it's hard for us to sell players. And, uh, you know, like when you create an environment where, you know, you buy, you bring somebody in to be a squad player, but you're paying your squad players 200 quid, like 200, you know, it just 200 grand a week. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's, it's not sustainable. And I think this is a key for them to get under control. It seems like they have, um, you know, and, and, you know, if you think Sancho should be sold, guess what? I got news for you. He's not going to get sold because he's making 250 yeah. K a week. It's not possible right now. So like, this is part of, Sometimes you have to eat shit. And right yeah, now, absolutely. I think I think they're eating a lot of shit that isn't it's not their shit, but they still got to eat it. Um so I I understand the frustrations at times and I and I do think the criticism is warranted, but I have some sympathy for Murtaugh um and Arnold because I think they are not the ones that were guiding the ship, you know, so to speak in terms of how the wage bill and the squad got to this position. Um, and I do think they have taken some steps, whether they have taken enough or how you feel about that. I do think they have taken some of the proper steps to get things under control. And, you know, look, we will like the De Gea contract going, being off the books is huge. Ronaldo being off the books is huge. I think they still have some contracts, right? Like Martial, he, they will not exercise his option. He is done at United after this season. There's no chance he'll be back. Um, and that's one of the last big kind of 
bloated contracts left, right? Maguire is another one. And and to your point about, you know, it's hard to sell Maguire, but I got to say, like, I'll never, again, I'll never begrudge money a player valuing his salary over anything else in their career. But, man, if you're Harry Maguire, you're the cap, like, you're, you're going to get stripped of your captaincy in all likelihood at Manchester United. You want to be in the England picture for, you know, the uh, for the Euros. The Euros next for the year, Euros. Yeah. Like, you're not, we know he is fifth choice, right? He's behind Varane. He is behind Lissandro Martinez. He's behind Lindelof. And he's behind Luke Shaw. Yeah, absolutely. Get, like, have, uh, you've made a lot of money. If If it's just about the money, fine, fair enough. But this is, he doesn't strike me as a player that's just about the money. He should be trying to leave United this summer. He absolutely should be trying to leave United yeah. summer. And he can get 100% if he's willing to come down on his wages. 100% he can walk into West Ham's side right now. No questions asked, right? He can walk into certain teams that would gladly have him. And he can play a full season and be in the picture for the Euros. Because I know that Southgate has kind of given him a lot of leeway with not featuring. But you have to think with all of the talent England now has coming up, really every position, but at center back, right? Levi Colwell is one uh, name to keep an eye on. Obviously, at Chelsea, he might exit. But there's a lot of talent at those positions, and I just can't see him, if he has the same season he had this past season where he's barely featuring. You know, he's kind of, he plays in, you know, maybe some League Cup tie against, like, Rotterdam or (laughs) Rotherham or something like that, right? Like, when you're playing these teams that it's just... You know, it, it's kind of like you and the academy players or whatever it is. He needs to be aiming for more. And if it's that season again, I don't think he's going to go to the Euros. And I have to imagine that's a problem for, or you would think that's a motivating factor for him. Yeah, I totally agree. Because he, he, I don't know what you mean when you, said, when you say but he doesn't strike me as a guy that's all about the money. He, he definitely doesn't strike me like that kind of guy either. And I do wonder to what extent still being in the England team has maybe warped his vision where he thinks I'm still in the England team so I can still stay here and try and get back in the team but that's as you said that maybe was the case even as recently as 18 months ago that's not the case now there's too many good players coming into the England team there's too many good players playing better than him and playing more consistently than him. But I also feel he just strikes me as the type of... Sometimes this happens to a player where you have a bad time, that bad time then becomes progressively longer and worse. And no matter what what you try and do, no matter how you play, you just cannot get out of that funk. And the thing is, when he first signed for us, that first season he signed for us, he was excellent. He was really, really excellent. He ended up missing the Europa League final. And that was... We all looked at that as if that's a disaster because there's our best best centre-half missing the most important game of the season. He then had the issue in Greece Mm -hmm. when he was on holiday. And it genuinely strikes me as since that moment, he's just not recovered. Because, Because he started playing poorly for United conceding loads of chances, conceding goals. He became the kind of figure of ridicule. And he's just never got away from that. And even, even like, the season just gone, some games he came in and he played well. 
But you just knew there, there, was, there was going to be a point, whether it was in the same game or the next time he played or two games' time, there was going to be a mistake or something stupid and that would be picked on and seized on by everybody. And it's as if he just can't get out of this funk. So I just think even just for himself, as much as... I, and, you know, i seen the thing the other day saying he's been training three times, three times a week with Ricardo Carvalho and going and doing private sessions and doing private... Uh, training sessions in regards to his fitness in the off time as well because he's determined I, fair play him like, you know what I mean there's a lot of players that wouldn't do that he, he clearly wants to try and do something to arrest this form that he's in but I just think too much has happened now at United so even for his own sake he should be looking at moving and whether that's a loan deal for the next season or whatever I, I do. I agree with you. I th- I, he should look to move, not just for United's sake, but for his own sake. I think he should look to move. And just because you commented on like Fred, I I think Fred will leave because I've seen the the Fulham link is quite strong now. And I think he's getting linked to Saudi too. But I, I think Saudi as well. Fred Fred's a tryhard. He's going to stay in the Premier League. I think he wants to be in the mix for yeah. Brazil squad I mean, moving forward too. Again, I, f- I think he'd be a good signing for Fulham. I think if he went to Fulham, yeah. he'd be a good player. And it would be a good sign. And, and then, say you sell him and use the money, that even 20 million of that. So say that helps fund the move for Amrabat. I like McTominay, so I'm, I'm whatever. But even if you keep McTominay, I just suddenly think you've sold Fred, you get Amrabat, and then you've got a couple of the young lads coming through, like Kobe Mino. Midfield suddenly looks quite strong. Midfield suddenly looks as though it's got decent options and good depth. I still think we probably could do with, rather than Amrabat, just, just somebody that's, for when Casemiro's not going to be there, somebody that can literally just come in and play Casemiro's role. But again, it's difficult and it's down to money. But I do think Amrabat would be a good addition as well. And uh, the last guy I was going to comment on, apparently, uh, Jeremy Frimpong. I've seen mm. that. That's kind of picked up in the last day or so. Yeah, I just can't. I just can't see his right back this this week. Yeah, I, I I don't think we'll put money to that. I just I just can't see it. Not with like the other positions that we've got. And I do agree. I think we've done better this year and even last year because I've seen in the Athletic they keep referencing that some of the higher ups just feel this United tax just gets whacked on it every player that we look at, and that definitely is a thing. It absolutely is a thing, and I. It's going to be difficult to remove that because, as you said, there's there's been years and years of overpaying for fees, overpaying for wages, not able to shift anybody, and that's going to be difficult to change. But I, I do at least like that they're actually trying mm-hmm. to take steps to train to change that attitude. But yeah, I think that's probably a good point to leave it for there. Um, we do actually have a game tomorrow. It was worth mentioning. Man United <laughs> are playing Leeds tomorrow, which seems unbelievable already. But yeah, that's in Norway, and I think it'll be a good chance to see what Mount's all about in particular. See if he gets plenty of minutes in that game. It's always against. It's always a good game against Leeds as well. That's always good to watch. Yeah. So try and catch that tomorrow. Um, and yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time as well, and we can go over. Other signings, other departures, a couple of the pre-season games, and yeah, we will go from there. So that's good night from me, Troops. And uh, good night from me. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore Hour.
please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.